Welcome to Cobras and Fire, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network. Today, we feature an interview with John Karabi, covering his entire career. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and I am joined by the Karabi Loose Cannon. Yes, is then John Karabi. Yeah, I understand. You just had a chance to uh, interview the the legend, John Karabi. I did, and we bounced all over the place. I originally nice. wanted to go uh, kind of dead daisies and more current, and we did that. But we also bounced back to Motley '94 for a bit, uh, Union. We he talked about his time in Rat. We talked about my God his his recent acoustic tour, um, how how the kind of the Dead Daisies came together, pretty much his his entire uh, body of work. As it's been documented over the course of our our, our show, we've been pretty big fans of Johnny Crabby in general. Just uh, the I, I love the album that he did with uh, Motley Crue. Uh, I first heard of him with the Scream. Um, and, and and I think that record is actually a lot of fun to listen to too. Uh, I haven't checked out too much of his solo stuff, but I've enjoyed the Dead Daisies. Uh, yeah, I, I just uh, this is a pretty uh, pretty good get for us, and, uh, and I'm, I'm glad it went well. Yeah, and we, I mean, that's one of the things we talk about is the fact that uh, he makes a joke that his albums do well just 15 years after they're originally released. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a little truth to that. Huh? Yeah, there wasn't really any subject. He said, ah, "I can't talk about that. Can't talk about this." Just a very, I guess, forthcoming with everything, and yeah, just like just like you, we've just been a fan of him throughout, and it's great to see kind of the resurgence of Karabi over sure, the last yeah. uh, I mean, just, five years, active wise. I mean, they 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 put out so many albums within a short clip, includes Live, <laughs> and it's it's been you know quite not. It is amazing, <laughs> right? Touring the world, uh, Kiss, Aerosmith, ZZ Top. I mean, it's yeah. just gone everywhere over the last couple of years, so. Yeah, and it, you know the, the guy has to be. I don't know. He's definitely a top ten uh, rock singer in my book. I mean, I'm not great on ranking these things or pulling them out of my ass, but there's guys that, you know, just almost anything they do is enjoyable to listen to and it's just to hear their voice. And he's one of those. Yeah, and, and he's essentially the six six degrees of Kevin Bacon of rock. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Anyway, so what a fascinating career, and you know, just a great. Great guy to talk to, and uh, he also throws in some dick jokes, so enjoy that too. Right on. So, you want to just get to it? Without further hesitation, Luce, let's let the listeners hear it.
Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I am talking today to John Karabi. How are you, sir? How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm excellent. And yeah, so I just want to kind of start with I've been I've been a fan of your whole career from from the Motley '94 <laughs> album to Union, and you know, kind of I don't want to call it a comeback, but your activity over the last five or six years would you, would you say it's the most active you've been overall? Well, you know, to be honest with you, um, there was maybe two years, like 2010 to 12, that I really didn't do. I was still doing shows, but not like, not like a regular, on a regular basis. But it's funny, like, um, um, I've been pretty active, man, since I got into this whole thing, like even with the scream. Sure. Um, since probably 1990 or 91. Um, I haven't really had that much time off. I've kind of, you know, I did my thing with, um, you know, obviously the Scream, Motley, and Union. And then afterwards, I kind of took, for lack of a better term, I took a little bit of a break, but a break only only in the the sense that um, I wasn't, like I wasn't doing my own thing. Uh, I wasn't in a band that uh, I had to worry about ticket sales, t-shirts. And I was, you know, so I went and I played guitar for rat for seven or eight years. Right. Um, and that was just kind of a, it, it, it was, it, it was a way for me to continue doing what I love to do and travel the world and do all that stuff. And, not have to worry about how many records did we sell this week or how many t-shirts were sold or tickets or, you know, it was just like, I literally just played. I had fun with my friends. Um, you know, I walked on stage, I did my thing. And then, you know, it was kind of like, I hate to say it, but it was like a regular job, you know, like on Friday, they gave me a paycheck and it was, it was a no brainer for me. And it was kind of refreshing, you know, um, and then after a while of doing that, I went, okay, I want to sing again and I want to be the captain of my own ship, you know, and it took me a while to, um, find guys that, uh, you know, were easy to work with and whatever. And I started working on my solo career and it, everything was going dandy. And then, uh, 2015, the daisies called and they're like, Hey, we want you to do this too. So. Yeah, uh, from a fan's perspective, as soon as that 2012 solo album came out, which, uh, man, I love that. It was just from that to the doing the live shows in '94. It was just it was very refreshing to see to see so much activity. I mean, essentially, you guys, it's like you guys think it's the '70s. I mean, within like three years, I mean, <laughs> that's not the usual uh, output of albums. You know, one a year. So it's been it's been awesome as amount of the amount of output. Yeah, well, and the Daisies, it, it was funny, like. Um, you know, I was, I joined the band in 15 and, uh, well, it's 2019 now. So I'll say like 2018, we finished that last tour. And then, uh, um, I mean, God, in three years we did four albums and I can't tell you how much touring we did. It was crazy. Right. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, it was, it was good, man. It was, you know, it's uh, like, I, I honestly, I, I, I've kind of, I've gotten a little older. I've gotten a little wiser. I've toned down a little bit here and there. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, like I was just talking to somebody about this um, a few days ago. I said, you know, I've kind of figured 
with the music industry being the way that it is, I've kind of figured out my niche now. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there were, like I said, there was a little lull there from like 2009 or 10 to 2012. And I think I was just kind of, I was stressing, man. Like I was kind of trying to reinvent myself and I was trying to make myself, uh, I was trying to be something that I wasn't, you know, I was trying to find that, that little niche that I could fit myself into where I was viable and I was selling records and, you know, and I was, you know, and, and, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like, I kind of sat down and I went with the industry being the way that it is. Nobody's selling any records. So why are you trying to change yourself to achieve something that is probably unachievable? You know what I mean? Um, and then I just sat down and I went, you know what? You're, you're a blues rock acoustic, you know, you seventies rock singer, songwriter, guitar player. Um, you're a 60 year old guy, you know, and I hate to say it, but it's kind of a young man's market. You know what I mean? So just do what you do, be yourself, go out and have some fun and call it a day and let the chips fall where they may. And it's, you know what, ever since I kind of, I kind of had that attitude, things have been going crazy. You know what I mean? It's been, you know, I, 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 I've been busier, you know, for lack of a better term, busier than shit. It's been crazy. So, yeah, I mean, all it, good. Yeah, and if I, I would talk about a little more about the dead days, is, is you know, um, it's it's interesting that, that so Dave Lowy, am I am I pronouncing that right? David Lowy. David Lowy. Yeah. Okay, so he is a businessman in Australia, and is he the person that that reached out? That, I guess the term music. Two questions. The term music collective is that something that can I describe what that is? It's very interesting. Well, you, you know what I think for for lack of a better term, they use the term collective because of the fact you know, if 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 I can be just blunt, sure. Um, a lot of the musicians that he's uh, friends with and that he wanted to jam with are all guys that came from. Uh, you know, very successful bands. Like in the beginning, it was, uh, you know, when Marco first got involved, he was already doing like the Thin Lizzy Black Star Rider thing. Yep. Um, so he was doing that. David saw him, struck up, you know, like love for you to do some demos and maybe do some shows down here. Uh, apparently it was in uh, Australia. They were getting ready to go out and do some shows with uh, Aerosmith. So Marco said, yeah, sure, you know, so, but Marco was involved in it. Uh, Richard Fortas and Dizzy Reed were guys at Guns N' Roses. Uh, and then he had, uh, I believe it was like John Tempester or something like that from the cult. Um, he had uh, uh, John Stevens was the original singer who in his own right is very successful in Australia. Uh, he was in, in excess. You know, so they, you know what they did? They said, you know what? They would put a band together. The br- the brand, the name, uh, it, it's like working at Coca-Cola. You know what I mean? You have a CEO, you have these people come in, they all have great ideas, you know, but at the end of the day, Coca-Cola is Coca-Cola. So the dead daisies are the dead daisies. And, 
you know, some people had to come and go because of their schedules. Of course. So instead of, you know what I mean? So let's just call it a collective. If anybody does have to leave or anybody's got to go into a tour, they can. And the door is always open to go back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, so they've been very, you know, very upfront and, and, uh, you know, straightforward with everybody. Hey, it's, you know, the name, the dead daisies, that's the band, you know, but it is kind of a collective of people that have, uh, kind of gotten us to this point, you know, and even still, since I've been in the band, you know, we had Richard and Dizzy on the first tour, right? Um, even after we did the record, Brian had some uh, prior shows. He couldn't do part of the Kiss tour with us. So we got Tom Lee, Tommy Clefettos to come in uh, from Sabbath and Ozzy's band. You know, he, Tommy came in and he did uh, the first part, the European part of the Kiss tour. Um, you know, so uh, then Richard and Dizzy left. We brought in Doug Aldridge, you know, and then and then Brian had to leave. He had other stuff to do, and you know, so that we brought in Dean Castronovo. So, um, you know, hopefully the lineup will stay the same, but uh, you never know. It, essentially, it's like Dave Lo- David Lowy, where he's like, "I want to build the group that I've always kind of wanted to see, and I'm going to get these somehow." Or was he already in the music industry to kind of organize all this? It's just kind of a u- unique thing. David's all always played guitar. Okay. And he's a huge music fan. Right. Like loves music, uh, you know, but he, he's, he, he's a very successful and his story in itself, uh, him, him and his father and the whole story, the Lowy story could be, it could be a fricking movie. Do you know what I mean? It's, sure. it's pretty impressive. Uh, but David's always been, um, in the music, he's always kind of noodled around with guitar, played guitar, um, uh, you know, and, and he became a very successful businessman. And then, uh, you know, for, I, I don't know what possessed him to start, but he, he was like, I want to play guitar again. I want to, I want to put a band together. And he just assembled, um, uh, he sat down actually with John Stevens and just the two of those guys wrote and recorded the first record. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, so sorry. I just watched my dog close the dishwasher for my wife. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. It's pretty impressive. He didn't, he, he didn't even realize he did it, but, right. um, you know, so he started, he started the band. He wrote, he wrote the songs with John and then they said, oh, you know, this record's pretty good. Let's go out and do some shows. So, um, I, you know, and, 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 and I got to give the guy credit, man. He, he, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about David Lowe. He, he's a funny dude. He can literally, I, I don't know how he does it. Like he will literally, uh, like he'll be up at three, four o'clock in the morning doing business deals on the other side of the planet, you know? And then he'll sleep for like a couple of hours. He'll get up, you know, we'll go to the next town, sound check, do an acoustic performance. He'll do the radio and the press or whatever needs to be done, you know. <clears throat> and then uh, in between sound check and the show, he's making business, he's doing business deals, you know. 
Then he sits down in the room and he practices his scales and all this other stuff, does the show. After the show, he'll go back to the hotel and he's doing business deals again. Like I've never seen anybody compartmentalize the way David does. It's, it's pretty impressive. Very cool. uh, and if you, if you go back and you look at the story about his dad, um, you know, I don't know if you, you know, know this or not, but David, David's family has, uh, they, they started an empire, uh, of malls. And, uh, I mean, they've got, you know, malls all over the world and they're in finance and they all, it's, it's like crazy. Uh, you know, and his dad though was a Hungarian Jew that escaped a concentration camp, uh, whatever. And basically came down to Australia and started his entire empire with a fruit stand. Fruit stands to dead daisies. Yeah, like a farmer's market. Sure. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. he built this empire. And, uh, you know, and it's 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 crazy. David's seen a lot. He's done a lot. He's, he's a successful businessman. He's a great songwriter. He's a pilot. Like... The guy could fly a jumbo jet like Bruce Dickinson. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, he, he's actually flown with Bruce Dickinson in some competitions and things. So it's like, dude, seriously, can you do anything? Like, you know, now if you tell me that you've got, like, <laughs> tell me you have an 11-inch cock and I'm going to punch you right in the throat. You're like, <laughs> seriously, nobody should be this good at everything. <laughs> Might be a little editing on that part. Anyway. Ah, oh, no, no. I, if, uh, if you ever hear our show, uh, you just, you just, uh, it's, it's, it's basically music and dick jokes. So you're good to go.
Is it official? Is that the actual stat that you were the first rock band to go to Cuba? Is that accurate or one of the? Legally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, legally. I mean, it, it, you know, Audio Slave went there, uh, you know, they were there prior to us. Okay. But this was this was with the full blessing, you know. At the time, you got to remember Obama was trying to open up relations with uh, Cuba right. and all that shit again, you know. So <clears throat> we did it with the blessing of the American government, the blessing of the Cuban government, um, and we met, um, you know, met a lot of the. Uh, it, it, it was just interesting. It was a very, uh, it was a historic trip. Um, uh, we took Bernard Fowler and, uh, Daryl Jones down with us from the stones. Uh, they played with us. And I think to, to be honest, I think we kind of, in some way us being down there, opened the door for the stones to come in. Cause if you remember, they yep. did a show sure. a year or two after we were there. Um, <clears throat> they did a show down there somewhere in Atlanta on the beach or something like that, whatever. But, um, it was a great trip, man. We met a lot of the, you know, I, I, I don't like getting into the politics of Cuba, you know what I mean? Whatever, but they were nothing but nice and hospitable to us. Um, I met um, I met Fidel Castro's sons, Raul Castro's sons. Okay. Um, we met uh, Che Guevara's sons. <clears throat> so it was kind of a cool trip. And if you're into history, you know, um, it was it was cool, man. It was interesting. Well, another thing I wanted to ask you about is, and it's been talked about for the last couple of years, is there kind of progress on the whole Mick Mars solo album? Is that kind of still in the works? I, I don't I don't know. Um, I did a couple of songs for Mick. Um, you know, and and but I think Mick's still trying to figure out like what direction he wants to go in. Um. Um, I mean, personally, I think, you know, honestly, Mick, everybody that knows Mick knows he's a great guitar player. He's very underrated. Oh. Um, and everybody Absolutely. knows that he's a Beck, you know, Jeff Beck fan, and he loves a lot of this blues stuff. And I, I said to Mick, man, you should, do, honestly, you should use, do the Mars man tone, that big gnarly tone that you've got and just write a bunch of cool blues riffs and go from there. You know, but he's got to figure it out. It's his solo record. It's going to have his name on it. He's got to do what he wants to do. Um, if there's anything I can do to help him, I will. Um, <clears throat> but I think he's still trying to figure out what, what path he's going to take. So I don't know if he's ever going to use those songs that I did with him or right. not, but um, I'm more than happy to help when he's ready. Okay. So when you met with him, was it kind of a co-writing process or did you kind of have all, all everything no, he, laid out? No, honestly, um, he talked to me about writing some stuff. And then he actually, the two songs that I sang, you get, you got to understand, like when Mick and I were first talking, <clears throat> when we were first talking about doing something, I was just doing my solo band. And he went on tour with Motley for the farewell tour. And... He went on tour uh, for, for the farewell tour. I wound up getting at that Daisies thing. Right. And then I called him and I said, Mick, I'd, I'd really love to help you, buddy, but I'm, 
fucking slammed here now. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know how much time I'm going to have. And he understood. He's like, okay, cool. You know, whatever. Um, now the two songs that I did sing for him, um, he wrote with, uh, I believe he wrote them with Tommy Hendrickson from the Alice Cooper band. Got it. You know what I mean? Um, so <clears throat> he did, he did that. And so I just, I literally went in, I sang them and done. You know what I mean? Right. And then, uh, I, you know, and then I went on tour, so I don't know what he's got going. He, I know he wrote with a couple people here in Nashville. Um, so, uh, I, 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 other than that, I, all I know is I sang two songs. He put tidbits of them out. Um, so I, I don't know. I, after that, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of as clueless as everybody else is. And I'm also as I'm anxiously awaiting to see what he comes up with. I got it. Okay. So that's kind of the state of that album. Um, sorry, I can't help you any more than that, buddy. Okay. So, uh, also just to bounce around a little bit. So union, um, couple things on that when that formed you know obviously with bruce kulik who we've interviewed in the past um who was kind of the first person did he come to you did you come to him or how was kind of the i don't remember the formation of that how that came to be exactly um you know honestly bruce called me um i was kind of still reeling from the motley thing right and um i guess apparently the way bruce tells the story nikki's the one that said you should put something together with Karabi. You guys come from the same cloth, the same, uh, you guys love the same era of music. I think you guys could do something cool together. So Bruce just called me to see like, Hey, let's write, let's see what comes out of this. And, um, our first uh, writing session, we wrote a song called, uh, around again, Mm -hmm. which was on the first record. Right. And then at that point we were like, Oh, this, this, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's see what comes out of it. And then him and I just started getting together, uh, on a daily basis and writing material with a guy named Kurt Cuomo. And we were demoing everything at Kurt's studio. And then, um, once we got like an album's worth of material, we called up Brent Fitz. Brent was coming in all the time. Anyway, he was there kind of watching the process happen <clears throat> and we got Brent to come in and, and lay drums down and then we got um, and then Jamie was the last one involved also a side note on that you know when you start going down the Krabi rabbit hole see so you, you become a fan of the Motley 94 and you see the Dead Daisies and then you you know let's say you're a newer fan um, and you try to get the Union albums, they still, I didn't look as of today, are not on iTunes or Spotify. Is it, Are they still owned by that label, or what happened there? I, I don't know, dude. You know, it's it's so weird. I, Bruce and I just found out that there's a label in Germany that actually did a box set of the first two studio records, or the first the okay. two studio records. We didn't even know about it. And I'm like... You know, and my goal this year, I finally, um, I'm very happy that, you know, finally somebody put the Scream album back out. Now it's my goal now is to get the Union stuff back out and uh, on 
iTunes. So I think Bruce is actually working on that now to get it so where it's at least on iTunes or, you know, but it's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny. Like I've got all these records, um, you know, the screen, like I said, the screen records just came out, the union stuff, not available, can't find it anywhere. And, uh, the Motley, the Motley stuff's kind of the same thing. I mean, Motley's, you know, no disrespect to those guys, but they're kind of going out of their way to, to bury the, the stuff that I recorded with them. So I've got all these records out there that, you know, up until recently now the scream, but people can't find them. They don't know. Where, it's like love to be able to buy the thing, but I don't know where to buy it. So I'm trying to rectify that. You know what I mean? And get it all sorted.
So lately, um, you've been on a boat. You've done the acoustic storyteller with a whole... How many times have you been on the Monsters of Rock tour now? Like solo or... I don't think the Dead Daisies ever did it, but you've done it several you times. You mean the Monsters of Rock cruise thing? That, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, Yeah. Um, I think I've done... I didn't do it the first year, and I think I've done it every year except the first two years I didn't do it. So they've done uh, ten of them. I think I've done eight, seven wow. or eight. And how's that experience with, you know, being with the fans there and any uh, unique stories, jams? No, it's, you know, honestly, it's great because uh, it, it, it's almost become like a family reunion. It's weird because it's like a lot of the same people every year. Um, and everybody gets together and it's just, you know, uh, honestly, it's like a floating festival. It's like going to. Bonnaroo on a boat or, or, or Coachella or something like that. You know, it's like literally like three or four day festival music starts at 11 or 12 o'clock in the morning. Now this yep. last year I did it. I was doing acoustic shows at uh 10 in the morning. <laughs> it was called coffee with crab. Nice. And right. I was up on the top deck of the boat and with an acoustic guitar telling stories and, and jokes and playing guitar and there was a bunch of people there some of them still in their pajamas having coffee with me it was great it was awesome so i'm like this is killer you know but it's it's kind of like a family reunion man it's like you've got music all day long even if you go on the island there's music on the islands um they they set everything up and so it's cool i love doing them Uh, it's a you know, I get to see people now from, you know, Finland and Norway and Italy and uh, Spain and Russia. It's like all, you know, so it's it's pretty fucking awesome. I dig doing them. It's become a little bit of a family thing. And um, it's it's great, man. I love it. Yeah, because I think um, there's several people involved in the rock and pod expo and decibel geek that have gone there year after year. So you're talking about both from the, yeah, from the fans and also hanging out with the same bands multiple times. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's uh, like, I, I love going on it because I know I'm going to see, uh, you know, when I walk on there, it's not every year, but you know, I'll, I'll see Frank Hannon or Jeff Keith or, the, you know, some of the Tesla guys, Brian Wheat, you know, uh, and uh, or Michael Sweet or Tom Kiefer, you know, like I, I it's funny, Tom and I live in the same city. My wife cuts his hair. <laughs> OK. And I never see him. I never see Tom. It's rare when I do see him. It's on the boat. Hey, dude, how you doing, man? Get a little bit of My wife sees him once a month. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it's like, I'm like, ah, you know, so it, it is a way for me to see some of my peers uh, on the boat and I get to hang out with the, and the fans are great. You know, like even I have my wife there um, and it, it, it's funny, like everybody assumes that it's just going to be a shit show when you get on there and fans are. And I said, no, you know, honestly, the fans have been nothing but. uh like if I'm sitting there talking to my wife, if they see me talking to her, yeah, they'll wait. And then when they see either her or me come up for air, they're like, "Oh, hey, John, I I didn't want to bother you, but um, uh, can I just grab a quick photo?" They've been very, very polite, 
you know, it's awesome. And, and now I go on and now they, for some reason, because I've done so many of them, they call me the mayor. And then my wife is the first lady of the boat. And, um, now they do a dinner thing, have dinner with the mayor and, and the first lady. And so we, you know, and we sit down with, you know, last, how many did they have the last time, babe? 70, 75. Oh, she's good talk, Ross. Um, so <laughs> a little vacation reference there. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're we're sitting there like uh, we we walk in and they have uh, uh, there was like seventy five fans, whatever. It's for like a what do you call it? A like a charity. Okay. So they charge the fans. It's like you know they pay to come and have dinner with me and my wife. And we walk around and we have a couple cocktails with them and we do some tequila shooters and we take photos with everybody and sign some stuff. And then all the money that they generate for that goes to a charity. So okay. it's cool. So are you, are you cooking too? Making some nope. nice? No, 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 dude. If, it, if that was the case, it'd be peanut butter, jelly and hot dogs for everybody. acoustic tour you've done and uh, you just mentioned right at the beginning you have a solo album come out how many dates did you do on that acoustic oh god Um, well I did 30 in Europe got it and then I came over here and I did a run with probably another 
I'd say probably about 60, 65, something like that. Because I did most of January and February in Europe. Uh, I came home. I did um, probably three weeks or a month with Mike Tramp. And then uh, I came home from that. I rehearsed with my band. And then we went and did the Live 94 stuff. We did four shows in Australia. Yep. And then I came home and I did another eight or ten shows in America. And then my wife and I and our two dogs, we went to Key West, Florida and Tampa. And we just kind of did a little run through Florida. And we took two weeks off for my 60th birthday. And we just kind of chilled out. And then uh, now I'm home. Um, and I'm just trying to get some writing done for my solo record, like I said earlier. So. And what kind of direction is that going to be? Is it going to be? It's, kind of- it's going to be electric. And you know what? But the, I, I'll tell you what I'm excited about. I'm really excited over the fact that the music industry is the way that it is right now. Um, so. You know, everybody's all like up in arms, and I go, you know, they're, 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 like no one's selling any records, and I'm not doing. You know, everybody's saying I'm not going to record anything now, no point. And, and I'm just sitting there going, man, but you know what the cool thing is? The cool part is that nobody's selling. You're right, nobody's selling any records. So now that means I'm not going to have a record label standing over my shoulder, and now I can do whatever the fuck I want. Right. Um, you know, so anybody that knows me knows I love Led Zeppelin. I love the Beatles. I love acoustic stuff. Um, you know, and I love Sabbath. Uh, you know, so like I love all these different genres of music. And so now I go, you know what? I'm doing electric record. I've got some stuff that's very Zeppelin-esque. I've got some stuff that's old, like old Aerosmith. But I also have some stuff, like one of my all-time favorite songs is 10CC, The Things she, the things You Do for Love. It's that's a great pop song. And I just said, like, I can do anything now. So I'm excited about it. So I'm writing with, I'm writing, I've got a bunch of ideas I started on my own. I got some stuff I started with Marty Fredrickson. And uh, I've contacted a few other writers, uh, friends of mine, and I said, hey, let's let's do this thing. And they're like, well, what do you want the record to sound like? I go, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Let's just have fun. Let's not fucking worry about it. Let's just do what we do and see where the see where the song takes us. That's it. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. And, and, and is it your idea or, or somebody else in the, the band's idea to, like, for example, you guys just put a, a just collection of, you know, randomly you put out three covers and also you did a swamp version, I guess, sort of like the Hooligans Holiday version um, of Dead and Gone. Is that on something you, you kind of... Uh, pushed forward no but we did we did you know that that whole swamp version thing that kind of came by accident we were doing we did a uh we did a uh a lot of acoustic stuff yep and after you know playing the song several times we came up with a version that everybody was happy about 
And then we did something. We were at Capitol Records in Hollywood. And um, I forget what we did that for. But we, we did that for some sort of an outlet or whatever. And <clears throat> the version came out great. So um, it was basically going to be like on an interview or just, I don't, I don't know what they're using it for, but we recorded it and everybody liked the way it came out. So they just said, fuck it, let's use it. Yeah. You know what? And, and it's funny, like back in the day, when I was in the screen, Steve Marriott from Humble Pie, God rest his soul. Um, he said that to me and it stuck. He's like, you know, good song's a good song. Uh, you know how you have a good song? If you could strip that song down and just do it with an acoustic guitar, then you got a good song. And I got to be honest with you, that's one of the things like, even with my acoustic shows, it's just me by myself. Yeah. And I, I play that song and I just say, Hey, listen, I'm going to need you guys. I'll point it out that I need you guys to sing this part. And they all do the, yeah, yeah. Come. You know, they right. sing along with me and it's great. It goes over great every night. So, um, it's pretty cool. So I think I, you know, that was the first song when we were doing the, um, burn it down record. That was the first song that I sang. Okay. And when we did that song, it was like, holy shit. This is going to be one of those tunes where you put the top down, turn the radio on, and just crank the shit out of that song.
Like, you wouldn't think that a acoustic version of Hooligan's, Hooligan's Holiday in, 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 you know, on paper would work. And then, again, you know, it took me a while to eventually uh, figure that version out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I had a, my bass player actually did a bunch of acoustic shows and we would just kind of do the song and it, you know, and then we'd go, how about, you know, like literally like a month later, we're like, wait, you know what? I was playing. What if we did this and we, we'd add something to it or pull something away or snip, whatever. And it just worked. The melody is the same. Right. Um, the melody is exactly the same. The chords are the same. It's just, Instead of doing the da 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 you know, there's that swampy phone da 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 you know, and it just works. Do you plan on just every once in a while kind of doing the like you did in Australia, mixing it up when you're not in the Dead Daisies, doing a little bit of the Motley ninety four, or you kind of put retiring that for? You know, I I'd like to put it to bed. You know, but it's it's crazy. Like now, I did it in Australia, and now there's all these people now are going, "Wow, you know, I want to see it, and I want to see it, and I want," you know, and uh, like it's just weird for me, though. I got to be honest with you, I love doing the shows. I love doing that, but there's a couple things that I I don't like about it. A. uh, I did that record 30, almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? I think I was 30, but whatever. I'm 60 now. Um, and it's fucking hard. <laughs> it's like, I'm sitting there when I was lit, like singing that thing, like straight through. Uh, it's such a full tilt vocal record. Yeah. Right. It's fucking hard, dude. You know? And, so like when I went to Australia, uh, because of time constraints, I literally flew down. I had one day off. I had I did four shows in a row, and then got on a plane and flew home. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like I got it. <clears throat> if I was going to do that, that has to be a thing where I do like two days on, one day off. It's it's just such a fucking hard record to sing. I went back and I was listening to it and it's like, you know, this is one of the things that I, I kind of hate about like Pro Tools and <clears throat> the modern way of recording now. Um, like when we did that, you know, I had the luxury of like, you know, Bob Rocket say, all right, let's do the verses. Now I want you to sing the first verse. I want you to sing it 10 times. And in the second verse, I want you to sing it 10 times. And in the third verse, I want you to sing it 10 times. And then we'd go back and we'd do the choruses. So you're doing everything in pieces. And then they put it together. You know, it's like you sit there and you're like, well, I like how I sang that line that time, but not, you know, and you, you kind of put together uh, a vocal. Well, guess what? You did it in pieces when you go live. Now you got to sing the motherfucker from top to bottom. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. No breaks. And, you know, so it's like a lot of this stuff, like smoke the sky. Uh, yeah, right. It was just so full tilt. Even the ballad. 
uh, if you listen to Drift Away at the very end, man, I'm like screaming my ass off. And so now it's not only do I have to do the song from top to bottom, I have to do the whole record from top to bottom in the order that it appeared on the record. And it's not an easy task. So I was like, man, what was I thinking when 30 years ago when I sang this? This shit is hard. <laughs> uh, you know, so I don't mind doing them. But then the other thing that kind of uh, was uh, crazy is the shows are advertised as the Live 94 record. And people would come to the show and then I would come and I would sign shit afterwards or go sit by the merch table and take photos with people. And, and inevitably, um, it'd be more than one, but you would get a bunch of fans that come over and go, God, dude, that was fucking awesome. I'm a little disappointed though, that you didn't play any scream reunion or dead daisies. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just went, I had a, like, I can't, you know, so I did it in Australia. The guy was very specific. He said, that's all I want. I just want the Motley 94. Um, and I even tried talking him out of it. I said, hey, how about if we do a little bit of everything? He said, nope, I want the Motley Live 94 four shows. So I went and I did it. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, to be honest with you, I would like to still do some of the Motley 94 stuff. But I think for me, the best thing for me to do is a little bit of Scream, a little bit of Union, a little bit of Motley Crue, and a little bit of Dead Daisies, a little bit of my own solo stuff. And then that way, you know what I mean? It's it's basically an evening with John Karabi. I'm not writing Motley's coattails. I'm right. just being my own guy. And I, that's what I'd like to do. Um, I know there's still going to be some people that go, well, I, I just want to hear the Motley thing, or I just want to hear the union, whatever. Uh, it, uh, I'm just not going to please everybody. That's kind of what you're doing on your acoustic tour, just not a full electric, right? Just kind of a little bit of everything? I do a little bit of everything. I, I play a couple cover songs that I yep. grew up listening to that kind of helped. Um, hey, sorry. Get your food out. Get your face out of that bag. I have a pup. I have a puppy here that is a fucking eating machine. And uh, he's he's been eye-fucking his bag of dog food for the last three hours. Hey, you know what? I heard the greatest thing yesterday. I told my wife. It was in a movie. Where, uh, what movie were we watching when I heard that phrase? Oh, it was the firefighters one. He goes, you won't get any sympathy from me. If you want sympathy, you'll find it in the dictionary. It's somewhere between shit and syphilis. <laughs> like, that's a great fucking line. That's awesome. Excellent. All right. Okay, back to where where were we? Yeah, moving on from syphilis. Has there ever been any talk between? Are you still in contact with uh, Bruce Kulick? Sounds you guys are still friendly. I just I just saw him. Um, a week and a half ago at a KISS convention. We played together. Oh, excellent. Okay. So, so when you're, is there any thought of 
you know, maybe one of the reasons you guys are unburying the Union albums or you're working on that, any kind of thought of maybe doing that, even in a limited, you know, even at KISS conventions or things of me would make sense? What, put Union back together? Yeah. Hey, you know, we'd love to. Um, the, the problem of it is, is everybody's, you know, you look at what Brent's doing. He's out with Slash. Correct. He's busier than shit. Bruce is doing his Grand Funk Railroad thing. When he's not doing Grand Funk Railroad, he's doing his conventions. And I'm doing, you know, I've, I've had the daisies now for the last couple of years. I'm doing my own thing. So I've been busy. Um, and, and, um, and then James has actually been playing, doing some stuff with, uh, he's been playing with Roger Daltrey quite a bit. So, um, the, our biggest problem isn't that we like, don't want to do it. It's we, we can't figure out when everybody's off at the same time where we could do it. If we could, we would. You know what I mean? Like we've talked about it before. Like, hey, let's let's just go out and do a, a month of shows and just yeah. see how it goes. If the possible so the possibilities out there, you could do a one off. I was thinking like a kiss convention or like you're saying, like a couple weeks here where it makes sense on a boat, maybe on the Monsters of Rock, things like that. Well, they they I know Monsters of Rock talked to me about it. Um, even the Kiss Kiss Cruise, they said, hey, that I think there's a lot of Kiss fans that would love to see union get back together again just for even just for the the cruise right you know it's just sorting it out you know what i mean again we would have to rehearse put a set together and um you know because i tell you this right now like even with um if bruce and i just got together and did an impromptu jam five songs yeah and it was like i Dude, it was like you, you would have thought we were coming up with a cure for cancer. We were talking to each other constantly. All right, like, okay, so you're half step down, right? Okay, what songs do you want to do? All right, yeah, I think I remember that. Okay, wait, how does that one go? It, you know, and we're, I'm like, and finally I just said, we both talked, and I'm like, Bruce, let's just have fun, dude. Let's chill. You know what I mean? It's no brainer. It's a jam. Let's just have some fun. And we kind of, you know, but it's, you know, I, I know Bruce, Bruce, Bruce's biggest, Bruce's biggest problem is he's an over-preparer for everything. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, but that's how Union, that's how Union operated. We were, we were always extremely prepared before we went on tour, before we went into the studio, before we did any, everything, anything. So um, that's that's the hard part. It's not the shows. It's actually sitting down for a couple of weeks and, you know, really kind of rehearsing and getting a great show together. So just got kind of wrap up. I mean, right now you can pretty much do whatever you want, um, such as going on acoustic tours. What's kind of like, what do you foresee the next two years as far as dead daisies doing solo? What's kind of the, next record or cycle well for me to be honest with you i don't i don't know what's going on with the daisies we took like 2019 off i don't mm -hmm. know when we're firing everything back up again um you know so as far as i'm concerned at this point i'm working on my solo record and to be honest with you dude like i'm starting to get some offers to go to places that i've never been before and 
I, I'm looking forward to it. So I, I want to, like, I just got an offer to come down in uh, September, October, and do some shows in India. Um, I'd wow. love to go. There's a, there's so many places I've never been. Um, you know, I, I, I was even saying that um, I played with Rat once, I think, or twice in Portland and Seattle. But I've never been there with any other bands. So... Even in America, there's a ton of places in America that I've never played before. So I just really want to, you know, I want to, I, I want to get out and I want to start playing. Um, my son is my solo drummer. Uh, he's the drummer in my band. Yep. And I would love nothing more than to go to Europe and go to Italy and take him to Germany. He's never been there. So I want to go and I want to. You know, I want to get all like I, I. So that's all I'm worried about right now is doing it, getting this new record done, so I can get out and I can start doing some shows with my full band, take my kid out, show them the world, and like, and have a little bit of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's got to feel great. The fact that kind of the 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 Motley '94 album has such an underground kind of, um, you know, o- over the years. It's. I think it's just grown. And it's. It, 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 it's funny. I was. I was laughing about it. And it kind of a. It's funny, but like, if you really look at the Scream record, mm-hmm. if you look at the Scream album, and you look at the Motley record, and you look at even the Union shit, it's hilarious to me that, um, most of the stuff that I've done, when it's out, it's completely overlooked. Yeah, it's funny. Like I'm, it, it, my stuff is completed, but like twenty years later, it's like, oh, great stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like the union stuff now is is getting uh, a lot of a, a lot of notoriety. The scream stuff is like, oh, this is a classic underground record, man. Yep. You know, great stuff. And same with the Motley thing. Like it it, t- it literally took like fifteen or twenty years for the Motley record for the fans to actually go. You know what? And I've had fans say it to me. They come up to me and they go, "Wasn't a big fan when this record came out. I just, I just couldn't get past the uh, Vince wasn't in the band, so it shouldn't be called Motley Crue." Okay, great, I get it. You know, but hey, you know what? I bought the record. I saw it. I found it. I listened to it. It's a good record. It's a really good record. And it's it's just kind of done that over the years and. Uh, you know, so I guess, you know, I, I look at it and I laugh. I go, man, it'd be awesome if people actually bought the records when I put them out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. At this at this rate, my granddaughters are going to be set up for life with royalties. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it just, we're having a 15-year plan for this. It's going to take a little little long to kick in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, John, um, anything else you want to mention as far as anything we didn't cover? No, I think just, you know, uh, I know it's not proper. I've had, I've had people, uh, kind of give me shit for saying happy Memorial day. Um, they're like, there's nothing happy about soldiers dying. I'm like, dude, like, fuck light knob. I mean, I'm, you know what? I truly, I've got friends that are served, you know, but, um, if anybody's listening, I don't know what the PC, what you can say here, but, Happy Memorial Day. 
other than that, I think we covered everything. <laughs> there you go. Well, listen, thanks so much for your time, John. And hopefully you can come back to Denver with that full electric uh, band set up sometime in I 2021. I hope so too, my friend. Yes. And hopefully I'll be so big I'll be at Red Rocks. That's right. Yes. I'll, I think that's exactly where you need to be. <laughs> yeah. But, um, oh, and when I'm there, it'd be really awesome if people show up.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 